Ciao ragazzi! This is Katie Portanova, and you're listening to Florence and Me. I'm a lover of stories and all things Italian, and I'm going to bring you all that in this podcast. My intention is to inspire you to step out of your comfort zone and explore life and travel the world. Join me as I tell you my story and many others about Italy and my love, Florence. Andiamo! Ciao, Mishi. I'm back. It's Katie. And I'm on to my second episode, which I call Yearn to Return. The saga continues of my love for Italy. So after I graduated in 2003, I I really, I could not get Italy out of my mind. Um, I was obsessed with trying to find a way on how to live there, move there, do something there. Um, but as, you know, we're taught and, you know, most of us have probably gone through this after college, but, you know, the... The idea of living abroad and 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 moving abroad was not in my family's DNA. Um, my grandmother was born in uh, Emilia Romagna, the region north of Tuscany, um, but she hasn't hadn't been back in over fifty years. So even her idea of me living abroad was like, why the hell do you want to live there? It's horrible. And again, my grandmother grew up during the war, so obviously one would remember it being horrible. So um, my path to going back to Italy was really hard. One, because I was kind of, I was in a family where you need to go get a job, you need to pay off your student loans, you know, as we all are probably. So I had that pressure on me to try to make some money and really just kind of forget about Italy um, because you need to make money and you need to pay off your bills. So I did find a job. Um, my first job was working at the Rainforest Cafe, <laughs> three months of learning the service industry, which I do still think about, you know, to this day. It was a helpful lesson. And then from there, I got a job, thanks to my dad, um, at Motorola. So I worked there for a year and a half. Probably the worst year and a half of my life. Um, I did make some friends, but it was also the the type of job I had, which anyone that has ever worked in a call center, raise your hand. It was very, very stressful and very, very... Um, you got to see really how corporate America worked. And I knew from that moment on, I would never want to be in that atmosphere ever, ever again. I had just horrible experiences. Um, with all different types of bosses kind of like the movie um office space those of you that's gonna like age me a little bit but those of you that knows that movie um it's hilarious but um not knowing which one's your boss that's how I felt so my my love for Italy kept growing and growing and growing and this is going into 2004 2005 and I kept researching what can I do how what what can I do to get back there um, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't stop. I knew I didn't want to be in an office space. I knew I didn't want to be in corporate America. How can I get the fuck out of here? Mm. 
So I started researching um, Italian language schools in Florence because I knew I wanted to go back to Florence. I didn't know where I would live. I, I knew I had no plan except that I wanted to go back and learn the language. That was my first and foremost biggest, biggest goal. So by the beginning of 2005, I had already like contacted a language school, which was great because they had um, included in the package an apartment for three months and the school and the and the lesson um, the the lesson why isn't that's not the lesson the uh, language um course <laughs> sorry <laughs> language course all included and I forget I don't remember how much it cost but it was a lot but I had the money because I was saving and um so yeah so what I did and this is very funny so this was my and I'm gonna get into a little bit of like kind of personal development talk so if this doesn't really resonate with you don't worry I'm not going to talk about too long Italy will come back but this is the first time in my life that I realized that I was holding on to something that I want to say like safety so because I was told at a very young age like having a full-time job you know nine to five um $36,000 a year you know benefits 401k, all that stuff was safe, right? So when I talked to my boss, um, my supervisor at the time, Terry, um, amazing man, um, very, very sweet. Um, and I told him my idea. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, I want to do this for three months and maybe be able to come back and work at Motorola and still have my job and whatever. And he's like, oh, you know, this is so interesting. Like he was like enthralled with my, with my like courage to like go abroad and like learn a new language live in a random apartment you know so he was on my side so I was trying to get like a sabbatical if you will okay this sounds really weird now that I say this because I did not want to go back to that job I would sooner die because like it was just horrible um but I was wanting that safety of having you know, a paycheck, having an ability to save, having ability to have a good health care, uh, health insurance, 401k, all that stuff. So I had to talk to my boss's boss who looked at me in my face and said, what are you going to do in Italy that you can't do here? Honestly, I was like almost in tears. I'm like, I'm a lot of things a lot of things um she basically like basically said okay we're not giving you a sabbatical you're going to resign and that was it but the the fact that I was like told like nothing else happens outside of these walls I was like no I was there there's a lot of things that happen outside these walls there's a lot of things to live for and do and oh my god I it made it catapulted me into thinking, okay, this is my time. This, I need to do this now or I'm never going to fucking do it. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was hard. I cried a lot. My parents were not happy. Um, well, my mother wasn't, maybe my dad was, I don't know. It was in, in, in a nutshell, they were like, what are you doing? This is going to pay your bills. This is going to do this. This is going to do that. You know, what are you doing? So but they had to accept it. I had bought my ticket. I had paid for the program. I had an apartment. Everything was lined up. It was, yeah. 
So the summer of 2005 changed the way I was going to continue living because what did I do? I went by myself again, but by myself completely. I didn't have another student next to me on the plane. And I embarked on a three-month journey of learning the language, kind of rekindling some of my friendships, which I'll talk about more, um, that I made in 2002. And um, revisiting the love of this city of mine. Like, I, I was... I was just so excited. The excitement overwhelmed me. I was like, three months? No, I want to do more. So by the time I got there, so I got there in June. I believe it was, yeah, June is when the course started. I had um, gotten an apartment. It's like, I'll never forget this apartment. So I shared it with one, two, three, four. I think there were five girls. It's a pretty big apartment. Um, on Via de la Pergola. And I just remember that street so much because it was so close to the Duomo, Piazza del Duomo, right in the city center. And I loved it. I just loved it so much. I, even though my, my roommate was like, I think Romanian, we didn't really speak um, that much, but um, I forget what she was doing too. I think she was learning the language um, as well. Anyway, so I started the course. I remember the course and the class being very big. I remember we had to have been maybe 15 or 20 students. So I didn't really feel that this course was going to help me as much right off the bat. One, because there's a lot of Americans in the class. There were a lot of English speaking people. And it was just the way it was set up. I just knew I was going to finish it. I did it. But I can't remember right now after being how many years ago, like, I don't remember anything specific about the school and specific about the class or my teacher. I wasn't really impressed. Um, but I did make some friends in the class and they were all American. Um, but yeah, I I had another school I went to later, which I'll talk about later, um, that I did enjoy a lot. Um, so I made these friends. I, um, I started to explore a little bit more on my own, um, get lost a little bit more. I rekindled my friendship with Simone and Paolo at the Joshua Tree, which was fun. They couldn't believe I came back because a lot of people, you know, they come, they come to Joshua Tree. At the time, it was a place where a lot of students went just because Simone spoke English and um, it was just like a hole in the wall. It was just a really fun place to go. Um, so I think he didn't really expect to ever see me again. And I don't, he didn't really remember me. I remember this specifically, like he didn't remember who I was. And it was only like three years ago, three years prior that I was studying, studying there. So he didn't really remember me, but then we kept in touch and it, it, it grew. Our friendship grew, um, as we, as I kept coming back. Um, but then there were, um, a group of guys that I met and I'll tell this story because it was like, is one of the one of the things that I I implore I implore people to do when they study abroad or they go somewhere abroad and they want to learn the language. Okay. I met these guys because um, Michelangelo was the son of the owner of that restaurant I talked about at the first re- uh, the first episode, Lorenzaccio. Okay, I got to know him. 
I, I can't even think, God, it's been so long, like how exactly we met and what was the occasion. Um, but I remember it had to do with his pub next door. So he owned the pub next door as well called Michael Collins. And um, so I remember kind of hanging out with him and his friends there. And I just made a whole bunch of friends that summer, a whole bunch of Italian friends. And I immersed myself in learning the language. What did I do? I went to the pub and I literally stayed away from all people that spoke English. There were a lot of, lot of English speakers. So those of you who have never studied abroad or never been abroad um, into Florence or Rome, like you're going to hear a lot of English, a lot of English. And it's not just the tourists or the students. There are a lot of people that work in the, in the restaurants and the stores. They have to speak English just because that's how they, you know, that's how they communicate with people. So I made it a point in this part of my, of my journey, like I need to start hanging out with Italians, just Italians and have them not speak to me in English. <laughs> At this point, I did these guys, uh, Michelangelo, Filippo, Giulio, Lapo, like all of them spoke pretty good English and a few of them had studied in England. So they had a pretty cool English accent with their Italian one. So I, I, I was kind of mad because a lot of them would speak English to me because I was still kind of learning all of the different tenses. So a lot of the times I wasn't really following, but I was doing that fake laugh. <laughs> like, oh, I know what you're saying. Oh, like, and they're like, Katie, what did we say? I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so it didn't really work and they understood. So I'm going to tell you one trip that we did together. It was me Filippo, Giulio, and Michelangelo. Okay, so Michelangelo's family had a place on the seaside. And there was one night I had been um, I had been there late at the pub. And they're like, hey, you know, we're going to go. Um, tomorrow night we're going to go to um, Michelangelo's um, parents' place in on the seaside. Do you want to come? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> why not? And I'm like, well, why are you going at night? They're like, well, it's the summer. It's easier to drive there at night, in the middle of the night, and hang out, and then enjoy the whole day at the seaside, and then drive back the next day. I'm like, okay. I didn't know any wiser. So we did do that. So the next night, I met them at the pub. I had a little bag and um, and stuff, and we drove out to the seaside. Okay, I'm going to paint again this picture. I love painting pictures. So I had never been outside of Florence yet apart from when I was a student and we visited places by bus like I'd never been to the seaside okay well apart from Falonica and Cinque Terre okay sorry totally wrong <laughs> but I've never been to a different seaside town okay and I'm with Italians so I'm like okay they know where they're going they don't want to drive Ugh, I don't have to drive I just sit there in the car great so we get to the seaside it was really late at night and they gave me my own room whatever and I was like they, they were all my friends like there was nothing <laughs> Well, I won't talk about that now, but there wasn't anything going on. Um, so I remember going to the beach with them the next day. I remember that that was the first time I tried spaghetti alla vongole, spaghetti with clams. Because Michelangelo's like, Katie, you have to try this. You have to eat. Oh, my God. And you have to drink this wine. And there's this, the wine that I, I remember. Uh, it was called, it's the... The name of the wine was Leguia, and it was by Dona Fugata. It's a Sicilian white wine with my clams. Oh, my God. It was so good. 
And that was the first time I had clams and I never stopped eating clams, mussels. I tried everything. Guys, try everything. Whenever you're abroad, try it all. Try it all. Okay. So we came back the next day um, late in that evening because of the, the traffic t- in Italy too, just to put into perspective, in the States, there's a lot of different ways to get places, right? So there's like, there's those expressways, there's a highway, there's the country roads. Okay, in Italy, there's like usually one good way to get one place in, in, in a good amount of time. Okay, they have the Autostrada, they have the VPL, they have, um, what, um, oh, what was the other names? Anyway, there's other names of the streets that they have, but the Autostrada is usually the one that's the fastest, and it has the Telepass, which is like the I-Pass in the state, in Illinois, like, um, a toll that you would have to pay. So, that's why people, that's why they would leave late at night and leave late at night the next day to get home because you would just sit in traffic on the weekends because this was a weekend. Um, so yeah. So that was the first time I had clams. Oh my God, they were so good. So good, so good. Um, so from there, like that whole, those whole three months, I, it made me yearn for even more, even more. I wanted to, I was trying to figure out a way I could stay. I really was. I was really trying to figure out a way how I could stay. But again, legally, I couldn't. I had no permesso di soggiorno. I didn't have a passport that said I could stay from the EU. And at the time, I don't think the EU existed, did it? I don't remember. The other story I wanted to talk about, this is a very important story for those of you that travel. And those of you that might travel alone, um, women especially, so, and this is not like a scary story, so don't, don't, don't be scared. Um, when I was sitting at Lorenzaccio one day, I had my purse out on the table. And my purse at the time was like a little mini wallet. Um, and yeah, I, we, we were about to pay. I'm going to paint you the picture again. <laughs> um, we we're about to pay and there's these gypsies that come over. Okay, so gypsies in Italy are, there's a lot. They're all over the place. I don't even know what they are doing now since we're in COVID. Who knows? Hopefully they're okay because they're just, they're poor people that come from Romania and they basically, they're beggars. They're beggars. Think of like medieval, medieval times when there were beggars. Like that's how they look. If I had a picture of them, I could send it to you. But so what they do is there's different techniques they do to try to steal your money or steal your wallet or steal your purse. One of the techniques that got me was they bring a little boy up in front of you, wave the, uh, uh, a sign in front of you that says like, I'm poor, give me money basically. And without you even knowing it, because it's in your face, they had grab with their other hand grabbed um, your wallet. So that's what happened. So thankfully I did my passport in there. I did have my like, like had some money and um, my um, credit cards and my debit card. So I had no money to get anything out. So I was freaking out. So what did I have to do? I had to go to the um, Carabinieri, which is the um, military police, um, not the city police, um, and file a report. So obviously I never got any of that stuff back. Whatever, it's fine. But thankfully, because I still had a relationship with Simone at the Villa Bonelli in Fiesole, I, my parents were able to send me a new debit card 
to the villa, which I got, I think, I don't know, a few week, a week or so later because I didn't have any money. Um, so yeah. And that's a lesson. <laughs> that's a lesson for sure. Um, just to keep things close to you, especially when you see gypsies, um, or zingari as they're called in Italian, zingari. Um, so yeah, I think that was a big lesson for me because I, I, I thought I was invincible. I didn't think that was going to happen to me. I heard about it when I was a student, but like, mm, no, didn't, didn't think any of that was going to happen. So, oh, that's just my cat's ball falling down the stairs. All right. So yeah, so that was one of the lessons I learned that summer for sure. So from there, um, so from there, that was towards the end of my trip. Um, well, that actually happened in the middle of my trip, but towards the end of my trip, because I'm just going to end this here, a little shorter episode today. Um, towards the end of this trip, like I said, I was trying to find a way to get back there. So I was uh, in the middle of all that, like I really... Um, I really was trying to think, how could I get Italian citizenship through my grandmother? Because my Nana was, like I said, born in Emilia-Romagna. And like I was just thinking before I even left, like, how could I do that? And I think I started researching that while I was there to try to figure out what I could do. Um, one last thing that I'll mention, like, I, I met a really, really amazing person um, this trip. And she is still my friend to this day. Um, her name is Francesca. And Francesca is um, somebody that I don't see very often. I, I talk to her a little bit through messages and emails. But like um, when I was living there too, I didn't really see her because she lived in Bologna. But at the time she was living in Florence when I met her because she was friends with all these guys. She was friends with Michelangelo, Jacopo, and um, Filippo, Lapo. Like they were all friends from high school. So um, I remember something specifically she said to me one time we were at a concert together and <clears throat> she was trying to, she spoke really good English. She still does because she sings in English. She has a beautiful band called Ophelia Dorme. So look her up on Spotify. She's fucking amazing. Um, and I remember a specific thing she said to me um, when I was there because I would tell her, um, I remember confiding in her when I just met her. I had, I, I didn't. I hadn't met any Italian women by this time. There was only Italian men, obviously. Um, so she was very open, a very kind-hearted person, very genuine. I could just tell by her energy, like, she really cared. And I remember telling her, like, you know, oh, Francesca, you know, I did this course this summer, and I don't really think I learned a lot and stuff. And she told me, she's like, you really just got to be with Italians. Like, you really have to immerse yourself and she's like, don't worry, it'll come. Like it'll, it, it'll, it'll happen, and you'll know, you'll learn the language, and and you'll and you'll be fine. Is if you are passionate enough about it, you know, you learn it, and you immerse yourself in it. And because I, I just felt awful because I really wanted to be able to connect more in Italian with these guys that I was hanging out with. Um, and that the last night I was there. I remember getting really sad and crying because I got so close with these guys and it was only three months I was there and they all were kind of a little, they were, some of them were a little teary eyed too, just because I was crying because one of them was very emotional. Um, but to this day, like I'm still in contact with most of them. Um, 
And I will never forget those three months. Those three months really shaped me even more than the three months I was in study abroad. Because it showed me, like, how much more there is out there in this world. Like, when you really give people a chance and step out of your comfort zone, like, really step out of it. Don't don't follow what people say. Oh, no, you should do this. You should do that. No, follow your gut and do it and just do it because it makes all the difference. That is what life is about. That is what life is about when you step out and you actually challenge yourself to either learn, um, speak in a different language, um, introduce yourself to different people. Guys, it's, it's the best feeling. And even reminiscing on it, I could even start crying because it really has shown me how strong I really am thinking about all this stuff. Um, and yeah, I just keep keep striving for more. Don't let others tell you what they think is right because you're the only one that knows what's right for you. Thanks for listening to this one too. Have a great day. Ciao, ciao. I am beyond grateful for you listening to my podcast right now. I am so excited to share my journey of living abroad and all my stories of Florence and Italy and all the places in between that I've visited. If this has reached you in any way and you would like to continue, please subscribe now. Also, go check out my website, trulyitaly.tours, for all my travel experiences. Ci si vede. Ciao.